Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Do you remember the day he set you free? When your chain fell off, your sins were lifted, the burdens were gone. Do you remember that day? Oh, let there be joy in the house of the Lord today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on, lift up your voices. Come on, let's just shout unto the Lord today. It's a good day. It's another day we come together to be with one of people of like precious faith in the presence of our Lord and Savior. Praise God. You may be seated in the house of the Lord this morning. We are so excited to see each and every one of you here this morning at Bear Creek. I know you've already been greeted, but just kind of give you a little bit of an a, a outtake on what's going on today. If you've never been a part of one of our celebrations of praise services, you're in one. Amen. And we, we worship and we thank God every day of every week, of every month, of every year. But we set aside this particular Sunday right before Thanksgiving to celebrate, rejoice, and to proclaim the goodness of what God has done in our lives in the past 12 months. Amen. And we just bring to the Lord as a sacrifice of praise and we just celebrate. We celebrate. It's going to be such a great service today that I'm not even going to preach. Don't amen me too bad there, all right? All right. I know it's been a while since we've had one of those good services where the pastor didn't preach. Uh, But no, I'm not going to preach. We have people that God has laid on my heart, selected to share their testimonies. They're going to preach the message today of the goodness of the Lord. Amen. And we we always have some phenomenal testimonies. Um, but this year, it's really going to be special. So, some different, different testimonies, different angles, but it's all to the glory of God. And so, our first, our first contestants on Share Your Testimony Today is, is Cody and Courtney Miles. If they would please come on down. As, come on down, guys. Yeah. Yeah, by the way, we can be exuberant and celebratory today like we do every Sunday. But let's be a little bit more today. Let's get in the practice of it. Amen. We have reason to praise God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Look at that. He's been trained well. <laughs> With, there you go, brother. Take your, take your liberty. Good morning, everybody. This, I'm Cody. This is my wife, Courtney. Uh, we have had quite a rough past few years up until just recently. So, uh, I'm going to go all the way back to 2018 in October. I think all of us in here probably know what happened in October 2018. Hurricane Michael. Uh, oh, that's it. He said the name. He's gone. So we ended up having to move out of the apartment we were in after Michael. And uh, we lived in a camper with our two kids and a cat. And then it turned from two kids and a cat to three kids and a cat (laughs) in a camper. (laughs) So uh, I was probably in those moments in the darkest time of my life, the darkest time of my life. I can't think of any other time I have been that down without hope. I I, I talked to Tony one time as I was trying to crawl my way out of this and said, I just, I don't have any hope. But 
I'm going to compare us to, to the Israelites today, if that's okay. Uh, when they were in Egypt, before Moses was ever drew out of the water, they didn't have any hope either. They didn't see God's plan. But even so, Exodus 2.10 says, when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. So before the Israelites knew that they had a rescue on the way, Moses was drawn out of the water because God already had a plan. So I was moaning and groaning like the people of, of Israel, like the Israelites. But it says God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. God heard their groaning. God knew that they were upset. They were miserable and they wanted out. But like I say, Moses had already been pulled out of the water. Just like I didn't know what to do, they didn't know what to do, but God knew exactly what to do. So even though God knew what to do, he already had a plan in motion, I still couldn't see it. I was still upset. I was still without hope, even though he already had a plan. I didn't know it. But then the Bible says Moses delivered a message to the Israelites about their rescue that was on the way. But it says that Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. So they had a rescue. They'd been told of their rescue. They knew, just like I know, God has me. I knew that. But I was in such a dark place, in such terrible circumstances, that I'm like, no, there's no way God could pull me out of this. There's no way anybody could pull me out of this. So like the Israelites, I didn't believe that. No, no, we're stuck. I have no money to pull us out of this situation. The things that were supposed to happen didn't happen. We're stuck. But then, just like the Israelites, obviously God had a plan for them. And he came to them as they got ready to leave Egypt as a pillar of fire. And he led their way. And some of them were still unsure. I was still very much unsure. Even though I was seeking a way out, I was, I was talking with Tony, trying to figure out what I needed to do. I was following the pillar, but I still just didn't see the plan. And then the pillar was going and going and going. And, we, and I came just like the Israelites to the edge of the Red Sea. And I'm like, cool, I'm still stuck. I'm here. Oh, look, Egyptians. There's my problems. They're still here. Oh, man. Okay. Haven't got away from those guys yet. But then God made a way. He parted the Red Sea. And the Israelites, they walked through that Red Sea. And like Moses in the basket, they didn't even get a drop of water on them. They crossed on dry land. So they could see their troubles all around them, but they were still fine. No harm had come to them. No true problems that were irreversible had come to them. Even though they might not see it that way when they're standing at the edge of the shore and they're looking back at the Egyptians, they, they say, why did you bring us here to die in the desert? 
they still refused to see God's plan. So I was there too. I'm like, cool. I'm on the edge of the water. Here comes the Egyptians. I am not going to make it. <laughs> the water's open. Moses lifts his staff, and they cross on dry land, and they get to the other side. And they're like, okay, cool. They look back, though, and God let the water go, and their troubles, their problems, their issues that they were facing were crashed beneath the waves of the Red Sea, drowned, never to be, the Bible says they were never to be seen again. The Israelites would never have to face those Egyptians again because God crushed them under his hand. Just like our problems were crushed under the hand of the God, the Egyptians were, were so too. We have come through so much from essentially homelessness, hopelessness, not knowing God's plan and not really seeking it because I was just over it, to God becoming my pillar of fire that guided me in the right direction. Even though I couldn't see where I was going, he was guiding my steps the whole way. And just like when the Israelites had crossed the Red Sea and the water crashed behind them and the Egyptians, they got drowned. Not a drop of water. No real problem stuck. Now, the Israelites, they were still due to face some troubles, just like I am. I live in this earthly place, just like all of you. I'll have more problems, but now I've come through the other side of such a serious problem, I know there's nothing that God cannot handle. Because he's the God of the Israelites. He's, he's the God that brought down the Egyptians. He's the God that brought the Israelites through the wilderness to the land of milk and honey, our final destination. I just thank God today that he brought me from the darkest point of my life to today I live in a brand new home with my lovely family. I have a fantastic job now that I enjoy. I just got a fantastic raise. My boss gave me a week of vacation just because I am so blessed, so highly favored. And looking back now, I can see where I came from and where I am, I would not be without God. And I hope someone in here today that might be in a dark situation and you don't know what you're going to do. The God of the Israelites has you. Your Egyptians are not a problem. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Love you guys. Isn't that awesome? He is the same God today as he was yesterday, and he'll be the same God tomorrow. Amen. Praise the Lord. Stand with us. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like sifting shadows. Aren't you thankful that all good gifts come from God? Jesus says, if you know as earthly people how to give your kids good gifts, how much more does your heavenly Father want to give you good gifts? Amen. He's a good Father. And I know that when we're going through times, you may be like Cody and Courtney, hopeless, but those are the times where we do what we need to do. We need to raise our voice and praise God, even though we don't see the answer yet. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Give him praise. If you're going to give him praise, let's give him praise in the house. Hallelujah. All right. Well, as you can tell this morning, we're going to be doing Christian aerobics, so you may be seated. Amen. I just love, I'm going to use a, 
a young person's term. Maybe it's not so young anymore, but I love the vibe. I love the presence. <laughs> and we got the peanut gallery over here. Yes, the vibe, the presence, the feel that I'm, I'm, I'm getting here this morning. Amen. Or our, our next um, couple that's going to come and give God testimony of, of a miracle in their life is, is Lisa and Danny McMines. Y'all come on. Come on down, guys. Good morning, everybody. I have to tell you, I was really excited when I uh, saw the, the note that said Danny had to come up with me, so he's up here with me. Um, this year, as every year, the Lord has blessed us beyond measure. He has given us so much, but I'm here to talk about a healing and a worship that I can give God because it was amazing. I am diabetic, and I had an ulcer on my toe for two years, and Danny took care of it. Every day he cleaned it, he wrapped it, and then it got worse. And I was going to the podiatrist every week. And the one Friday, he, I had an appointment. I went in, and he said, we're going to have to take your toe. Well, I have flashbacks. My dad passed away when he was 57. He lost his toe, then part of his foot, then part of his leg, then he died. So I start crying, and my podiatrist sent me to his doctor because he didn't want me to have a hospitalist. His doctor said he has never done this before, ever. He has never referred me to anybody, but he must care a lot about you. I'm going to give you a little thing about my doctor. He is Middle Eastern. He is not a Christian, but he cares enough about me to send me to the doctor of his choice. So I get to the hospital and I'm crying. Well, Danny can't come up with me because, you know, COVID. And I'm laying in bed and I'm crying and pastor calls me and he said to me, why are you crying? So I tell him the story about my, my dad and he says, are you your dad? And I said, no. He said, do you believe in God? I said, yes. And I got a peace that passes all understanding. Pastor Ben got in to see me somehow and <laughs> When he came in, I said, Pastor Ben, I have a peace. No reason for this peace, but I have it. Well, we have a God that heals. Jehovah Rapha, Amen. the God who heals. In Psalms 103, one, it says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Jehovah Rapha. So I get down into the, the surgery, and Dr. Sadani comes in. He said, now, I will save it if I can, but I can't promise. So I go in, and I said, Lord, it's yours. If I lose my big toe, I lose my big toe. It's not my life. And when I came out, he said, I only had to take part of your joint. I only had to take a little bit because when I got in there, the infection was not what it was in all the x-rays. So... Um, at work, I, I had to miss a lot of work, and I'm going to tell you, I have two angels at work, and they're here today, Susan and Chelsea. Susan's my parent, Chelsea's my friend. They took care of work. I didn't have to worry about work. I sent my plans. They filled them. They were amazing. Chelsea would go on her time when she was done in her class and work with Susan to help. So that took the pressure off. 
So then I start going, Danny's still taking care of my toe every day. I'm using a knee scooter. I get back to work. I go to see my doctor for the final visit for my toe. Now, this doctor is not a Bible-believing man. He's Islam. He said to me, and this is the best part, yes, my toe is 100% healed. He said, there's no reason you have a toe. We cannot identify the infection you had. It was so bad. That God that you pray to, he is a miracle-working God. So, you know, the healing is amazing, but the fact that I got to witness through that healing, through the prayers of the people in this church and my family, is the biggest miracle of all. Yes, sir. We're all we're almost we're almost Pentecostal this morning is what I hear. Amen. Amen. Look, I don't want you to put on a fake sense of joy today. I'm not asking you to do anything that you're not wanting to do. I'm just asking you today to contemplate what has God done for you. If he can die on the cross, take the shame of the sins of the world, be bitten, spit on, hair plucked from his face, mocked in every way, rejected from every person, die on that cross for me, I think I can get just a little excited about who he is and what he means. Come on. If I can get mad and shake my fist at the TV, then scream and holler and my football team wins, and I can't do that for God? Come on. Shame on us if we can't get a little emotional for the Lord. Amen? That's all. I am set free. I was headed to hell in a handbasket. And God came along and picked me up and cleaned me up, turned my life around. And because of that, I'm here today. And because he did for that for you, you're here today. Amen. Praise God. Praise God in the highest. Whoo, man. Well, we're going to invite up to our platform if uh, Jay and Rachel Silas will come on up. I'm excited. Yes. Praise the name of God. Great testimony. All these testimonies are powerful and great, um, and they're all unique in their own, own special way. You're going to be long-winded. you got a lot of water there, girlfriend. Uh, no, this is just a door opener. Door opener. Another supportive husband right there. Amen. Well, um, while I have the attention of some young people here, um, can I just say, when you pick a mate and, you know, find somebody that's going to follow you into your calling. That's Amen. all I have to say. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay. Amen. It's a partnership. It is a partnership. I can testify. My wife fought it all the way, but she finally saw the light. Amen. <laughs> Okay, so this year in our lives, um, God has been busy, I would say. Um, oh, it's not going to open. Sorry, my notes are in here. You got me scared. <laughs> um, so God's been busy in our lives this year. Um, I love those stories. He'll fix it. He's the IT guy. Um, I got called into the ministry. You hear those stories where people are like, I was a teenager on a mission trip, and I got called into the ministry while I was working with orphans in Africa in this beautiful field and sunset. 
I got called into the mission field in a hotel bathroom in New Orleans at 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was on a girl's trip in New Orleans and um, walking down the street, down Canal Street. We were going to dinner, and there was a man um, asleep on a twin mattress in the middle of Canal Street. And it wasn't so alarming to me that he was sleeping in the middle of the sidewalk on a twin-size mattress. What got my attention was that there was a group of people in front of us who stepped on him. And they never stopped to say, I'm sorry, um, are you okay? They didn't do anything, they kept walking. And what broke my heart even more is that the man was so used to it, he didn't do anything other than roll over. So those people walked past him like he was a piece of trash on the street, like he was gum on the bottom of their shoe. And we went to dinner. I tried to forget about it. But that night in the hotel room while my girlfriends were asleep, at 3 o'clock in the morning, I was in the bathroom praying and crying and asking God, please take these feelings away. You know, I don't get away from my husband and my children very often. Don't make me feel miserable while I am <laughs> away from them. Wow, Jay, what does that say about you guys? That's okay. All right. We can talk later. We, I, I can build you up later, brother. So anyway, you know, I prayed and prayed and prayed. And I mean, that just shows you how immature at that time I was in my faith. I was asking God to take away these feelings that I had. And um, God told me, I'm not going to take them away. I'm going to use them. And so... That's where, I don't want to cry, <laughs> that, that is where Project Visible was born. And um, hold on. <laughs> so Project Visible is a homeless mission. And that homeless mission we take to the streets because not only are these people um, invisible to most people, be honest with yourself, Think how many times you've driven down the street and you've seen somebody on the side of the road suffering, hopeless, lost, and invisible. Why are they invisible? Because people pretend not to see them there. Um, not only that, but they are the modern-day leper. Okay? When God gave me that and put that on my heart, the next day... My Bible study, the characteristics of Jesus that I was studying, that was the next thing. They said, you know, it talked about when Jesus met with the leper. And Jesus said, I'm willing. And he put his hand out and he touched that leper. He was willing to do that. He was willing no matter what that man looked like, no matter what the risk was, he was willing to go out there and put his hand out. Another thing that we've kind of battled a little bit as we talk about our mission and what we're doing, people have come to us kind of in that negative way. Well, you know, most of them are just addicts. Okay. God would love them anyway. Or... They're just lazy. They don't want to get a job. Okay. God would love them anyway. God did not tell us to love the people we deem worthy. He didn't stutter. He said, love everybody. 
regardless of what their situation is, regardless of if it's been a month since they've had a shower, regardless if they don't have a roof over their head, he said to love them. And that is what our mission is about. It's not so much about doing coat drives and everything like that. We do try to meet specific needs of the people that we meet. But it's to show them that there is somebody out there that loves them, that cares about them, that supports them. And not only that, but how does an addict get better without support? How does an addict get to treatment unless there's somebody that doesn't give them a ride or come out there and encourage them or write them letters or do whatever? Um, The biggest thing that gets me... And I thought about this when I read this in my Bible study. Was that the night before Jesus died, think about all the things he's probably thinking about. You know, he's in the human form. He's probably thinking, is this going to hurt? Is this going to take a long time? Like, he's a little worried about it. You know, all the things, imagine what would be going through your mind if you knew you're going to die tomorrow. But he took the time, took the time, and found that it was so important that in John chapter 13, he gave a new commandment the night before he died. And he said, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. We have an amazing street team Hi, guys. (laughs) Um, There's my friend Cody Bear in the back. Um, So we did our first street team mission on November the 1st. And we met quite a few people. Um, And let me just say, these people are not asking for a million dollars. They're not asking for a home. They're not asking for the obvious things you would think someone who's homeless is asking for. We have a friend, and I won't say their their names. If you want to learn their names, come out and join us on the streets. But um, we have a man, two men actually, who when we asked for specific needs of things that they needed, they wanted steel toe boots. You know why? Because workforce turns them away. Day labor turns them away if they don't have steel toe shoes on. So they're looking for a way to make an income. We met another lady who, in everybody else's eyes, she hasn't made it. You know, they would think, oh, you're still doing pretty pretty iffy. But she has made it, honey. She is off the street. She's got her room at the Marie Motel. And she still takes every extra penny she has to go out and make sure that the people that she's made friends with on the street have something to eat. She shares her food with them. She goes out and makes sure they're okay for the evening. She makes sure that they have what they need, that they can come by her new place at the Marie Motel and take a shower if they need to. We also met a man, and this is, this is where I'm going with this, is that, you know, we're not necessarily out there saving people. These people know who God is. They just don't know that other Christians care about them. That's what the problem is. When we were talking to them, what did my, I talked to Pastor Ben about this, what kind of 
upset my heart was that a lot of them told us that the local bar does more for them than the local church. The local bar makes sure that they have water, restrooms, leftover food at the end of the night, and the local church calls the cops on them. I mean, that's their perception. And perception to somebody is their truth. So that's what they perceive about the church, is that we don't care about them. All we think is you're a nuisance and you look bad in my flower bed. Got to go. So anyway, we met another guy, and he's a younger man. And he kind of gave me a little bit of testimony. He said, you know, I'm just doing what the boss tells me to do. He sleeps next to two older gentlemen at night that they're disabled. One of them's in a wheelchair. He's so riddled with arthritis, he can barely walk or move. The other one is an older gentleman, not as spry as he should be, but he sleeps next to them for protection. He also knows how hard it is for Mr., we'll say John, Mr. John, to get up in the middle of the night because he's so riddled with arthritis to go to the bathroom. So this young man, when he got enough money together, this is their reality, guys. He bought a bucket, and he buys trash bags so that this man can use the restroom in the middle of the night and not have to walk places. And that same young man cleans out his bucket during the day. So he's doing those things because God told him to do those things. So he knows God. He knows he's saved. He knows the word. He knows what he's supposed to be doing on this earth. But what he doesn't see from other Christians in the church is that we love him. He doesn't see the compassion. He doesn't see the empathy. He's out there doing the best he can with what he's got. So... I'm going to wrap it up, and then I'm going to give it to my husband for a minute. <laughs> um, when I saw the man in the mattress, that was five years ago, okay? The man on the mattress has never left me. In fact, every day I pray, and I say, God, I want to, pr- I want to pray a hedge of protection around the man on the mattress. And I get a little teary-eyed because I don't know his name. I should have asked his name. I should have been the one to pray with him, stop and check on him. And that is God reminding me every day that these people are important, that they are visible and they are lovable and they are valuable. For days after our first event, I know Miss Brenda and I talked about it. We were on a high. We were on like just this amazing high. We couldn't believe the people we encountered, the things that we had done. And I was telling two coworkers at work about it, and they said, Were you scared? And I said, No, you know, we found this guy and he was amazing. He told us where everybody was. And he even told us, like, to go down this dark alley and behind the building, you know, there were two guys that needed us. And we just went down there and we met all these people. And my friend just looked at me at work and she was like, did you just hear yourself? I'm like, what? She was like, you weren't scared? No, 
I wasn't scared. And she's like, you just followed some random man down a dark alley behind a building. And I said, you know, God's not going to lead me anywhere that I'm not protected. So um, anyway, it was an amazing journey. But like I said, every day I pray for the man on the mattress. And every day I'm reminded by God when I pray for him that he is someone's brother. He is someone's friend. He could even be somebody's father. And he is important. Just like I sit in this church today and I proclaim proudly, I am a child of God. The man on the mattress is a child of God. So, thank you. Amen, right? How can you not support somebody that is following God's calling? So, anyway, great ministry, great ministry. Um, So, I'm going to throw out a couple scriptures here, and then I'm going to close it up. I know you guys are ready. Uh, Proverbs 19, 17, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him with his deed, for his deed. And then Proverbs 22, 9, the generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. Um, we're getting to do that back here in the back, but just remember, there's people out there that don't have a place to prepare a meal. Um, um, when you're at home and, and you're complaining because there's nothing in the house to eat but your pantry's full, there's people. <laughs> they have nothing. They have nothing. Yeah. They have no pantry to go to. That's it. They're struggling. Um, I mean, so guys, I, the struggle... The small group Cody's got, big blessing from them. They, they've been helping us out. Uh, God's got big things in, in store for Rachel in this ministry and for us. So if you guys will continue to pray for us. Um, if you guys want to help out, see Rachel, see me. We'll put you in the right position, right place. Um, if you guys could help out with steel-toed boots. We have a, <laughs> we have a wish list on Amazon. Um, but God's good to us, and when he blesses us, we're supposed to bless others. All right, so thank you. If Again, if you want to join Project Visible, I promise you won't be disappointed. We were so blessed, so, so, so blessed by these people, and um, thank you, Pastor Tony. Hey, thank you, guys. To God be the glory. You know, um, I'm thankful when God births ministry. You know what, I, what I'm so, we don't like to use the word proud because we know God can't use the proud. But there is a sense of godly pride where you're just thankful. It's, it's part of it. Part of what I'm so thankful for and proud of in, in this case is this say this and then let me quantify what I'm saying this is not a Bear Creek Assembly of God ministry this was not my idea no one on staff's idea none of the, the deacon's idea this is something God birthed within this lady regardless if she had our support or not 
she says, I've got to do this. That's a calling, and that's the ministry. And then I'm thankful that God placed this couple in this church, and through this church, mentored and developed them. It's God's timing. She, God put the call on her five years ago. Why did it take five years? God's timing, but also there had to be, there had to be things put in place. There had to be maturity. There had to be provision. And then there had to be a body. Come along and pray and partner. And she took her care package. They've not asked anything from this church. They're doing it. She had not come say, I need money, I need this. She said, if y'all want to partner, like she just said, we can. And I thank God, we're going to partner with them. We're going to partner. We're going to provide them for those who want to volunteer. They're not looking for a large army, but they just, anybody wants to go, to go with them and minister to these people. And we're going, to, and I love it. They're not just going out there with all kinds. Yes, there's certain care packages they're giving to them that everyone will use. But instead of just taking a pair of shoes out, they're not knowing if anyone can wear what size, what do you need? Well, I need some steel toe boots to work. What size? We've got it. We're going to get it. Committing to it. Because why? It's, it's not Rachel and Jay's ministry. It's not our ministry. It's his ministry. And he's just looking for willing vessels. Praise God. What a testimony. God birthed this five years ago, the vision. And just this year, it has come to first. And it's not even matured. It's still growing. I love Acts 16.25. You know the story of Paul and Silas. It says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. You know, we're, we're, we've got one more couple that's going to come up after we sing this song and give a testimony. But I, I feel like this is the place and time I need to bring this up. These folks are testifying what God's already done. And many of you could testify, Ms. Yolanda, good to see you, what God's already done. But just a week and a half ago, you couldn't testify what God had already done because you was in the middle. I preached about this last week. When to give God thanks. Give thanks after the blessing. Give God thanks during the blessing. Give thanks to God before you even know you need a blessing or help. The reality is you may be here today and you say, I can't testify. I'm looking back there and see my friend Michelle. Just this week praying with you, Michelle Snow back here. And I won't go into her details, but how... Well, regardless of what she does as God leads, she has a door opened that she needed open. Maybe some healing that needed to take place. She can give God praise for that now because that happened Thursday, Friday. I taught Yolanda her miracle came Tuesday. But you guys may be here and you say, but my miracle hasn't come through. Praise God anyways. Praise Him in the storm. Praise Him before the answer comes. Because you know why? As a child of God, you're guaranteed. You can go to the bank. God's going to come through for you. It may be not the way you think or you want, you desire. But I'm here to tell you. I can tell you right now, God has never disappointed me. I may have been disappointed in a moment. But hindsight says, wow, look at the hand of God. Look at Rachel would have never known five years ago that it would take this long but yet she never lost the calling or the vision of the ministry came up with a name right away I love it and just prayed over it prayed over it and finally God says it's time so it is with you because it's during the hard times that your relationship with God really close, grows stronger amen amen let's worship one more time hallelujah Ezekiel 37.
Spirit of the Lord spoke to Ezekiel and said, Son of man, prophesy. He said, listen, can these bones come to life? That's what this song's based upon. A valley of dry bones. He said, Lord, only you know. He says, I said, prophesy that I'm going to make breath come into the, the bone and they're going to come to life. You know what, we, we, we've got to start speaking life over those areas of our lives that seem dead, has seemed dry. Come on, but listen, you've got to take charge of that. You've got to stand up. You've got to say, I, you've got to realize that I'm in a dry place. I'm in a broken place. And you need to say, Lord, I hear the Spirit of the Lord. I'm speaking life over me today. I'm speaking life over my health. I'm speaking life over my family. I'm speaking life over my job. I'm speaking life over my church. Come on. Oh, the power of the living God and His Word that He's given us. Praise God. Praise God. Come to life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, give Him praise. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to ask Hefe, Hood, and his wife, if they'd like to. That's you, Glenn. Glenn and Deborah Hood, if they'd come down and share testimony with you. As they do, when they're done, I'll, I've got a few closing remarks. But if you by chance did not get it, I don't want you to miss their testimony. You can do it while I'm speaking in a moment. But if you did not get your praise card at the end of the service, that's what we're going to be doing. Giving you opportunity. It's like a thank you note to God. Filling out what has God done for you this year. And we're going to come together and put them in the box together. So just be, be ready for that in just a moment. You're ready. Come on, brother. Don't you love this man and his wife? Pray for Deborah, though. Just pray for Deborah. <laughs> pray for me. There's a lot of people in here this morning. First, I want to read a scripture. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. I used a thanksgiving word in here. <laughs> thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart, your mind, and Jesus Christ. Well, last year, about October 26th, now these dates, they may fluctuate a little bit because I can't remember that far back, but we had uh, the mercy chef was here. We were passing out food, something I enjoy in our church. I'm so proud of our church for doing. We got finished. I went home, and about 9.30 that night, Started feeling bad. Started getting sick. The next day it got worse. Tuesday night, probably about 11 o'clock when it did or something, I, I told her I've got to go to the emergency room. So I got my, huh? Couldn't breathe. Got my little truck, headed down to the emergency room, went in. Told the doctor, I'm having trouble breathing. He said, well, let's see what we can do. He, they run the test, took all this kind of stuff. He come back. He says, uh, I think you've got COVID. I said, well, I don't think so. I hadn't been around anybody that had COVID. He says, well, that's what I'm going to treat you with. He says, we don't do the test here. He said, but you probably need to get you a test this week. Gave me a breathing treatment and all that, and they sent me back home. Well, the next day, I started feeling a whole lot better. The next three or four days, 
just feeling so much better. I told Deb, I said, well, this is COVID. It ain't bad as I thought it was. <laughs> I said, I, I can handle this. Friday morning, got up, Deb came down. She started getting sick. And then Friday night, about 9.30, it was like somebody grabbed my lungs and just squeezed all the breath out of them. And I, I went on Friday night, Sunday, my, my oxygen level would drop down to as low as 83. And I, would, I felt like I was suffocating, even though I was getting air in it went on for several days. Then, then that coming Thursday, I told Deb I got to go back to the emergency room. So I left, drove myself back there again, about 12 o'clock or so at night, pull in there, and they come in. The doctor says, uh, we're going we're to x-ray your lungs with contrast. He says, I think you've got pneumonia. By then, that Friday after the first time, they told me I had COVID tested positive but anyway they x-rayed my lungs and all that brought me back out doctor come in he says well listen he says uh says your lungs is completely full of covid pneumonia he says i'm fixing to call an ambulance to come get you i said oh no i ain't going to the hospital i said there's people dying in the hospital <laughs> i said i'm going home he says well I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. I'll give you every bit of the medicine they would give you at the hospital. And you go home, but you got to promise me if you're not better in 24 hours that you go check yourself into the hospital. Well, I made that deal, not thinking I was ever going to go to the hospital. I just wanted to get out of here. And I, I went home. And Debbie sick been sick now for a week. I'm sick. People's calling and checking. And what's so cool, people would bring stuff and put it on my porch, and they'd leave, and I'd go out there and get it. <laughs> Very thankful for everything that everybody did and the calls. And then that next day, I didn't get any better. The next day, no better. So I, I couldn't sleep. They would... The medicine they gave me at one time, three days I didn't close my eyes and sleep at all. And when I would lay down and sleep, I felt like I was suffocating. And it'd wake me up. I got up, woke up about one o'clock Saturday morning. And I tossed and trying to make up my mind what I needed to do. So I waited till five o'clock. Debbie had finally got some sleep. So I woke her up at five o'clock and I told her, I said, Debbie, I'm going to check myself into the hospital. I said, I think I'm dying. I can't breathe. Can't get any air. And I sat down with her and I told her I wanted my funeral arrangements. Told her who I wanted to get what. And then I hugged her and kissed her and said goodbye. But the strong woman she is, she's crying all over everything. Now we all are. And I remember getting in my my vehicle backing out and I stopped in front of my house there when I backed out and I looked and I said I'm going to look one more time what it looks like because in my heart I didn't feel like I'd ever come back and at that moment there was a peace that came over me 
like I've never experienced in my life. God didn't tell me, you're not going to die, Glenn. He didn't tell me that. He didn't tell me I was going to live. He didn't tell me he was going to heal me. He just gave me a peace to where it didn't matter to me. I wasn't worried about it anymore. I wasn't full of fear anymore. I trusted him. My trust was in him completely. And I pulled out and headed on to the hospital. Well, in the meantime, Debbie's got on the phone. She called the Lord, calling different people, and people went to pray like never before. I get to Gulf Coast, and I walk in, and they said, what's wrong with you? I said, I've got COVID, and I'm dying. They says, well, let's take you on back. The doctor, I went in, and they hooked me up with IV and all that. And the doctor come in and says, well, so what can I do for you? I said, doc, I've got COVID. I'm dying. I ain't leaving here until you make me better. She said, well, let's see about that. They x-rayed my lungs again. Come back. Doctor, she was smiling when she came in. And she said, well, I, I had told her, I said, I'm not leaving going home till I'm better now. She comes smiling. She says, you can go home. You're better. <laughs> I said, what do you mean by that? She said, listen, I looked at your x-rays from Thursday night and your x-ray now, and you have no pneumonia in your lungs at all. Let me tell you, God can do great and mighty things. Why, why he chose to save my life, I don't know. I don't know. But I trust him, and I thank him for it. But God is faithful. And I want to tell you today, if you're here, and you seem like there's, there's nowhere for you to go, there's always prayer and bringing your petitions before him. And as you do that, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, thanking God for the things he's doing in your life, turn around and look at your past life and see all the things he's already done, and you will have a heart full of thanksgiving. And he will come in and give you a peace like you've never experienced, and you'll know everything's going to be all right. All you've got to do is ask him and trust him. Our God is faithful. Amen. Our God is faithful. You want to say anything? I was afraid of that. I know it's 12 o'clock and time to get out, and I'll make this short. Y'all know me, so when he's talking, y'all know exactly the state of mind that I'm in. As a wife, um, at the time, everybody that we knew that went into the hospital with COVID never came out. They were dying. They never came out. And just the thoughts of that, when he left me, that was the first thing that the old enemy tries to throw on you. And the feelings of when my, what, the news of my son, watching him not leave the hospital, all of these emotions starts coming back in on you, no matter how strong a faith you think you have. And this is when I called on Dolores, there was two people I called. I called Dolores because I know she knows how to get a hold of the altar without emotions because she has seen things and known things and she's a, 
not an emotional person. She's steady going. She believes God. So I knew I was going to call on her. And as soon as I told her, she started praying. And when she started praying in tongues, she really, I knew she had got a hold of the altar of God. And I was agreeing with her. And when she hung up, she said, Debbie, I believe right now that God has just breathed his breath into Glenn's lungs. And he's going to be okay. The second person I called was my brother, who is now in heaven. He was a pastor. And he was always one of reason, not of emotion either. You know, his thing was, Debbie, don't be afraid. You know, if it's Glenn's time, it's Glenn's time. And, you know, he's being rational about it. And, you know, look what he has to gain. You know, he says he died in March after this happened, like in November. Now we're in November. He said, um, you know, God only gave us 70 years and we're all at it. And sure enough, he died when he was 70. But anyway, I, I, I call him those. So then I'm, I'm at home trying to get up my own strength. And the more I prayed, the more I believed. The more I believed, the more the devil said, you have no one left. If Glenn dies, you'll be all by yourself. And the more I prayed, the more I believed. And the more I prayed and the more I believed till I got a hold of myself. And, you know, we were studying in our group, there's a gift of faith that surpasses all the faith that you're given when you first met God. The gift of faith is when you have to dig in to the very essence, to the core of your soul, and believe what God said is true and would. And I, when I got to that point of faith where I knew I was going to be okay, whether, whichever way it went, God had my back. And why we wait till we get to that point and not live every day. But I'm telling you, since then, I thank God for COVID and every bad thing I've been through. I wouldn't change my son dying for nothing in the world because the lessons I have learned and the, and the things that God has showed me, the things that God has done for me, I feel highly favored and blessed of God. Even in the times that we're walking in, I still feel highly favored and blessed because I am a child of God. And now when stuff comes my way, it's no big deal. Because you know what? Jesus is coming sooner than anybody thinks. And I'm thankful this day more than any Thanksgiving at all. I am so thankful for all God that can do. Not just for me, but for all of us if we only believe. you guys. Thank you. Wow. What a powerful, powerful testimony. We've heard four very powerful testimonies. The reality is you have a powerful testimony. You have a powerful testimony. No matter what you face, what you've gone through, what you're facing or going through, or what you're about to face or go through, you have a powerful testimony. God is no respecter of persons. What he did for every one of these who testified today he can and will do for you. That's what I don't want anyone to walk away from today. I don't want anyone to walk away today discouraged because, well, God hasn't done that for me. God hasn't done this for me. I'm still living in a camper, for a Courtney camper with four kids. Yeah, I got it right, four kids. She had Cody. <laughs> I'm counting you, Cody. He's going. But I don't want you, what what I want for this service is for those for all of us to be aware that we have something to praise God about and if you haven't received the answer to whatever you're going through God is still the same God he's still the same God you've got a testimony 
And we're going to, just a moment, we're going to allow you to bring your testimony cards, your thank you notes. We're going to allow you to bring them and put them in the basket. And for those who came with a sacrifice offering, this is where you will do that as well. And then we're going to let you go. And for those who need to be back here for our event this afternoon, if you didn't know, we got a team of people back there. Well, they actually showed up yesterday. Actually, they've started way before yesterday buying food and gathering food, cooking yesterday and preparing the boxes. This afternoon, we don't know how many people is going to show up. We just know there's going to be some folks that are going to be in need, going to show up. They're going to be hungry. They're going to need an ear to lean on, someone to talk to, and we're going to love on them. We're going to love on them. They're going to be eating a meal, but we're going to be loving on them while they do it. Send them home with another, another meal to cook for Thanksgiving, but we're going to love on them, and we're going to build relationships because that's what God has called us to do. Amen. I've often had people ask on this particular Sunday about this event. Lord, or not Lord, Pastor, I'm not Lord. Only to my wife and my Lord. She didn't hear that. Okay, good. Why, why do you do an offering? And, and I know for those who have been a part of this fellowship for a while, you know. But sometimes I forget we have new faces. So let me share with you what God laid on my heart in 2010. 2010, I was elected to be the pastor of this great fellowship. And we had, we had a beautiful paid-for, paid uh, debt-free facility here. It was already in great shape. But the reality of it is, God laid on my heart and the deacon's heart, my board, there's some things we want to do, some things we'd like to do. We'd like the new carpet. They'd already put the, the Joseph Cope of mini carpet coat colors back there in the fellowship hall, but we said we wanted to do some more. But we just didn't have the income at the time. We just didn't have the income. So the Lord laid it on my heart. You know what? Let's take up a sacrifice offering, an offering of praise, an offering that we celebrate the goodness of the Lord. And literally, in, in Thanksgiving 2010, we began this service, and we've done it ever since. And it's all about us giving and acknowledging God's goodness and then bringing before Him with a heart of gratitude, expressing our gratitude and offering. And it's based on Psalms 107. It's a biblical idea. This is what Psalms 107 says. It says, let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of His works with songs and joy. A thanks offering. That falls within the category of a peace offering. I know you've heard of a peace offering in the Bible. And a peace offering was an offering that, three codifications. If, if, you, if you made a vow with God and you fulfilled the vow, you brought a peace offering or a thanksgiving offering. A great example of that is Hannah. But she, but she had, had a son, Samuel, and she, if she brought him to the, Eli. She had an offering to give him. Say, thank you, God, I'm keeping my vow. Another time is when God has come through for you in a time of need. You would bring a thanks offering, a peace offering to God, thanking Him. You know what's interesting about a thanks offering? It was the only offering that you offered that you got to partake of when you brought it to the Lord. And then, of course, the last one would be was when God showed unmerited favor upon you. When God blessed you unexpectedly, it would, it would, it would cause the person... The Israelite, in this case, in the Old Testament, their heart would swell with gratitude with God. And they said, I can't help but thank the Lord. And how do I do that? I'm going to take a special offering, sacrifice to the Lord. And that's what we do here. Based on this, we give sacrificially, not to earn God's love. I think someone here this morning needs to hear this. You can do nothing to make God love you more. And you can do nothing to make God love you less. God loves you. It's not a matter of earning God's love. It's, it's, it's not. It's not here to earn his favor or, or even his forgiveness, but to show what? Our gratitude. 
for all he has done, is doing, and what we trust him to, to do. So this morning, we've told of his great works, haven't we? Through testimony, and we're about to do that with praise cards. We've sung of his wonderful deeds with joy. What a joyful service this has been. Even God acknowledged for the gifts of the Holy Spirit that he was well pleased with what we are doing today and honoring him and praising him. And so that's what we're about to do. I'm going to read a scripture. I'm going to pray over your offering, over your cards. We're going to pray over our day of blessing. And then I'm going to allow you to come. And what you're going to do is, is make it a little unorganized. So let's try to be organized. Go ahead and get all your personal belongings so that when you give, we'll open these doors. Sherry and I will lead you. And that way there, we can just leave and go out whichever entrance we need to go out. But I want to encourage you, everybody come through the middle this way when you're ready so it doesn't get too unorganized. And then we're going to go home and you're going to eat lunch. And for those who are going to come back and serve this afternoon, you're going to come back. And it's going to be a wonderful day for the kingdom of God. But let me read a closing scripture to you before I pray. And this, this and by no means is to, to make you feel guilty or compel you to give today. If you didn't come prepared to give, I understand that. It's not too late. You can do it anytime you want to. But I want you to hear the promises of what God says right here. He says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And this is where I always say, I don't want equal giving. I'd like to see us give equal sacrifice. Well, it's a lot for me. may not be a lot for you or vice versa. But prayed. I hope you have prayed. This is a big day for this church. This is one of the most important Sundays of the year. Not because we want to take up a large offering. But it's because we show our gratitude for all that God's done. It's when we show our gratitude that God heaps the blessings back on us. See my point? It's not about shaking you down and getting more. I don't know what the offering is going to be. But if you've heard from God and you give obediently, it doesn't matter what. It will go farther than we'd ever thought it would go. And with this, we do all the improvements we've done around our property in those, these 12 years that I've been here. To God be the glory for your faithfulness, not for anything I've done. But it goes on to say in verse 7, it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. So I'm not trying to make you give more or less. I'm just saying whatever you've decided to give, but not reluctantly. Because when you give it reluctantly, you lose the opportunity for the blessing. He says, don't give reluctantly or under compulsion. I don't want you to do it because you feel guilty or pressure for me. There's no pressure here. But what does he say? God loves a cheerful or hilarious giver. That's the, God loves the person who whatever they bring, they bring it willingly out of a heart of thanksgiving and cheerful and saying, praise God that I have to give. One more thing I want to point out. This is not your tithe. If you came prepared to give tithes, offering missions, our ushers will be in the foyer. This, all that goes in here is for the sacrifice. That makes sense? That way there, my bookkeeper, Miss Christie, won't, she won't have to cipher through it too much, all right? Your offering for sacrifice goes here. If you came prepared to give tithe and offering, you give it as you leave in the, outside in the foyer, okay? Now I want to ask you to stand with me. If you brought your offering, you got your cards, bring them. Get them in your hand. We're going to pray over them. Are you ready? You ready to receive a blessing? You've already been blessed, but it's been a blessing today. Father God in heaven, Lord, I thank you. I love you, God, for all that you've done for us, God, as a church in, in the year 2021. It hasn't been a good year in many aspects, God. It hasn't been a fun year in many aspects, but God, it's been a blessed year because, Lord, your hand's upon us, Lord, and I thank you for all the benefits we have from being your children, God. I thank you for the testimonies that have been given verbally today, God. And Lord, I thank you for the ones that have been written down today, God. And we thank you, Lord, because you are a good and faithful Father. And Lord, for those of us who've come prepared to give, Lord, I speak blessings over this offering. Lord, you see the vision. 
Lord, you see the future. You see what is going towards, God. Going towards ministry, God. To improve the facilities, Lord, that we can be better effective and efficient at ministering to our community. Thank you, God. Just like we're going to do this afternoon. Lord, I pray blessings over our outreach today. Lord, for all the workers, all those who've already worked hard, those who will, God, give them strength. Give us patience with each other, Lord, as we do it, God. And Lord, for our gifts that are going to come into it. Lord, I pray the moment they set foot on this campus, they feel and know your presence. And God, when they step into the sanctuary, Lord, they will see your love in action through your people today, God. And Lord, I'm believing there will be a harvest, God, from the seeds that we're planting today. In the name of Jesus, there's going to be a harvest from our money. God, there's going to be a harvest from our testimony. God, there's going to be a harvest from our labor this afternoon, Lord. I believe it, God, because you're faithful to your word. Any seed we plant in your name out of obedience, God, is going to come forth and produce a good fruit that remains. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.